Last summer, uh, God gave uh, my family and I the privilege of uh, serving in Barbados, uh, on the island of Barbados, for two months. And it was on one of those occasions while we were serving at a church. Uh, We got there early and we were, uh, they did a sound check and the brother gave me the cordless mic and he, he, he said, now brother, you know how to fix this, right? And me being a typical male said, yeah, man, I got it. And the whole evening I had the thing on, <laughs> well, well, it kept agitating me and I kept having to fix it. And during the service, uh, uh, a brother came up to me, a young brother came up to me and uh, he showed me how to fix uh, the cordless mic, much to my embarrassment and uh, to my chagrin, I was teaching on the subject, ironically, of pride. Inside there was turmoil, who he think he is. Inside there was shame because... I should know how to put this stupid thing on. How often in the body of Christ, our pride gets in the way and prevents and hinders the work of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, as we come before you, as our hearts have already been knitted together by way of song, And we recognize how great you are. And we have voiced how indescribable, how uncontainable you are. How unfathomable are your ways. Oh God, it's in that context that we come before you and we ask that you would take your word and allow it to find good soil of each of our hearts. Cause the seed of your word to take root, O God, in such a way that it would bear fruit, much fruit, for your honor and for your glory. O God, as we address uh, briefly this issue of pride, we ask, O God, that you would tenderize our hearts and make us available to be taught by you. Teach me, O God. Teach us your ways that we would follow. Take now the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and make them acceptable to you and you alone. Oh God, we pray. Amen. This morning I'd like to challenge uh, your thinking by way of 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Um, You'll have to forgive me, I feel kind of lonely up here. (laughs) So uh, I may come down, but... Um, if you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, I'm going to do my best to stay right up here this morning. But 2 Chronicles chapter 26, uh, if I may boast, uh, just briefly, uh, Jasmine is finally home. Uh, I came home on Monday, graduated uh, from Taylor University last weekend. Mom and dad are happy. Jasmine, is so good to have you back home. I understand there may be some other graduates as well. Welcome back. If you're home visiting for a few days, 
uh, eat plenty conch, get a lot of sunshine and sand and sea and all that good stuff, uh, welcome, 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 welcome. I like to walk through scripture together. Uh, this morning, I would like for us to take a look at a man by the name of Uzziah. He was king of Judah. Uh, and if you uh, take uh, a rainy day like today, and if you study through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you see a familiar pattern. You'll see uh, a, a phrase that would say something like this, and this king did right in the sight of the Lord. Conversely, you would also see a key repeated phrase, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And all through uh, even portions of Samuel, Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, you'll see that. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 26 opens up this way. It says, and all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was aged 16 years old, and they made him king in place of his father, Amaziah. Verse 2 says, he built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned how long? 52 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. I sure hope I pronounced that name right. But look at verse 4. What does the text say? It says... He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amazon, Amazon, Amaziah had, had done. All right? So we're talking about a, a, a good guy, a good king who seems to have things going for him. He's age 16, king of Judah, and according to the history in the first two verses we, we've read so far, this brother serves for 52 years. And according to verse 4, he did right in the sight of the Lord. So let's look at all. Let's, let's continue. It says, he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God did what? God prospered him. Oh, okay. I, uh, right. There we go. We, verse 6 says, now... He, Uzziah, went out and warred against the Philistines. And he broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the area of Ashdod and among the Philistines. Now, whenever someone made war with the Philistines and they put licks on the Philistines, we all say, yay, right? So this brother is doing really good. He's got Zechariah, the prophet, advising him. He's got God who's promoted him as king of Judah. Uh, the, 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 in the context, we, we know he's going to serve 52 years. Verse, verse 6 tells us that he's going out and he's winning battles. He's, I mean, this brother's just laying it down thick, isn't he? Look at verse 7. <clears throat> verse 7 says, God helped him against the Philistines. And against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal and the Meunites. Okay, so verse 7. So this fellow is, again, he's establishing, establishing himself as this kind of mighty warrior. 
God's on his side. As a matter of fact, according to verse 7, who helps him in verse 7? Just a little louder. God helps him, right? Verse 8, look at what's happening to him in verse 8. It says, the Ammonites also paid tribute to Uzziah. In other words, they gave the brother money or the, the kingdom of Judah money. And look at verse 8 and says, And Uzziah's fame extended to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Again, this sounds very exciting. I'm reading this passage, this passage and I'm like, yes, God, let me be that person. Right? Anybody else feel like that? I mean, come on, when God is on our side, we can, we can, we can do a lot of stuff, can't we? Let's read on. Verse 9. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the corner buttresses and fortified them. This dude is just doing some incredible stuff. Verse 10. He built towers in the wilderness and hewed many cisterns. In other words, he dug a lot of wells. For he had much livestock, both in the lowland and in the plain. He also had plowmen and vine dressers in the hill country and in the fertile fields, for he loved the soil. Fellow sound like our kind of guy, right? Moreover, Uzziah had an army ready for battle, which entered combat by divisions according to the number of their muster, prepared by Jael, the scribe of Messiah, Messiah, and the officials. Under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's officers. Listen to this. The total number of the heads of the household of valiant warriors were 2,600. Under their direction was an elite army of 307,500 men who could wage war with great power to help the king against the enemy. This brother's got it made in the shade with a glass of lemonade. Would you agree? He seems to have everything going for him. He's got uh, youth on his side. He's got God blessing him. He's got uh, the prophet Zechariah behind him, advising him. I mean, what more could a brother ask for? Would you agree? This seems like a, 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 a success story like never before. Verse 14. Moreover, as if he doesn't have enough. Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army shields and spears and helmets and body armor and bows and slings and stones. Now this is huge because I'm reading over in Samuel where there was one point in Israel's history where there was only 300 men ready to fight and only two swords available. So this is a huge step up where everybody's got shields. I mean, this is a modern army by Uzziah's standards. I'm belaboring the point because this morning we're talking about what? Pride. We haven't seen it yet, have we? Verse 16, verse 15, sorry. In Jerusalem, Uzziah even made engines of war invented by skillful men to be put on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. I think I heard a groan. 
Anytime, ladies and gentlemen, you see the word but in scripture, think contrast. Something is about to happen that's starkly different. Verse 16 in my Bible opens up with the word but. Let's slow down some and see what happens. It says, but when Uzziah, what happened? Became strong. What happens next? His heart was so proud. What did he do? One translation said he transgressed against the Lord. Listen to what my translation says. That he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. For look at what he did. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Let's stop there for a minute. See, last summer in Barbados, Mona Lisa and I felt led of the Lord that that was where we were supposed to be. That was what we were supposed to do. And sometimes amongst us church folk, we, we, we were afraid to say it. Sometimes pride can sneak in in a really wicked way if we would be honest. And so uh, here I am in this, in this nice church and people are just loving on us and they're handling God's word and, and it's starting to feel good. As a matter of fact, Patrick started to think more highly of himself than he ought to have thought. And so when I was asked, Brother Rodford, you know how to put this on. Of course, you know what I can say. Come on, I got this. All right, now let's figure out how to put this thing on. And it was an awful embarrassment. Now you may say, well, no, Brother Rodford, that's small. But see, let me give you a definition of a word that I just discovered this weekend. It's the word insidious. And here's the word, and don't think about general insidious from Star Wars, Right? But insidious has the definition of proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with very harmful effects. And imagine what pride can do in a body like Calvary, in a body of believers anywhere on this planet, when pride gets in and starts to have its way. It's gradual. I sat there last weekend watching our daughter go across the stage and there was a sense of pride swelling up in my heart. I look at my girl. But quickly I said, oh God, thank you. And so what I'm trying to say is if we can find that balance, there's nothing wrong with having that type of pride. We watch our children. This morning our youngest spelled a word and we looked at him and we're like, what? Where did he get that from? And so of course there's this idea of pride. So pride isn't a bad thing in and of itself, but let's look back at the text and see where King Uzziah messed up. Verse 16 tells us this, when he became what? Strong, his heart was so proud that he acted how? Corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord his God for, listen to what he did, he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now let's look quickly at what happens. Verse 17, let's take a look at it. Right on the heel of Uzziah entering the temple, verse 17 says, then Azariah the priest 
entered after Uzziah and with the priest, with Azariah, 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. Picture in your mind. So King Uzziah goes into the temple to offer incense. Azariah with 80 men run in behind him. Verse 18. And they opposed Uzziah the king and said to Uzziah, Whoa, 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 whoa. It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. But for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. So Uzziah, uh, thinking that he is Mr. Big Stuff, I got an army behind me, I got old brother Zachariah advising me, I got it made in the shade, here's what I'm going to do, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to go into the altar, into the temple, and I'm going to offer incense to the Lord. Why? Because I'm the king. Azariah comes in and says, no, 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 stop this madness. And on top of that, Azariah has 80 priests. Scripture calls them valiant men. It seems like these brothers was ready to fight. Verse 18 again says they oppose Uzziah. Remember what I told you about the word but? Think contrast. Verse 19 gives us that but again. It says, but Uzziah with the censer in his hand for burning incense was what? Enraged. Fella get mad. He get vexed. He was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priest, what happened? Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord besides the altar of incense. Time out. Some of you are looking at me like, okay, well, Brother Rodford, what's the big deal? The big deal is that God had predetermined who would enter into the temple, into the tabernacle, and do the Lord's business. It was of the house of Levi, of Aaron. End of discussion. No other tribe could do it. And so here's Uzziah uh, making himself, well, according to verse 16, says, when he became strong and his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. I'm not sure what distorted his thinking. I'm not sure who advised him. But somehow he got into thinking, you know what? I got this. King Samuel, the first king of Israel, made a similar mistake while waiting on the prophet Samuel to come and offer incense, offer prayers and sacrifices to the Lord before they went into battle. And King Saul said, you know what? I see Samuel Samuel yet. Where he is? I'm waiting. You know what? I guess Since I'm the king, I'll have to do it myself. Sometimes in our churches and our congregations, uh, as a matter of fact, Saul's excuse was the people prevailed on me and I had to do something. (laughs) You You ever feel that way? Yeah, yeah. Let us read on. Verse 20. This is right on the heels of the leprosy breaking out on Uzziah. 
It says, Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at King Uzziah, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead, and they hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. I got a question for you. I wonder if you would, with me, ask yourself the question, what on earth does this have to do with me? Romans 15, verse 4, listen to what it says. Romans 15, verse 4. Listen, it says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Why? So that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. And so how do we uh, find instruction? How do we uh, learn perseverance and encouragement through these scriptures? How do we learn from King Uzziah? How many times have we been in a situation where we thought more highly of ourselves than we ought to have thought, and God had to, in a uh, subtle way, put licks on us, put us back in our place? So here I am teaching in Barbados. Man, we're, 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 we're moving and we're grooving. We're doing ministry, and, and, and it's fun. And it's thrilling, and it's every night in a different church, and I can't fix the cordless mic. And had I allowed the sin of pride to creep in, and that young man to come and say, no, Brother Rutherford, you fix it like this. I could have, I could have stenched and said, no, Brother, I got it. <laughs> okay, that's Barbados. Let me create some scenarios here. Someone, someone comes up to us and, 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 and wants to do something for us. And, and we, we, we prevent them from doing it because, you know what? I ain't, getting, I ain't taking nothing for free. No, 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 no. No, see, you, nobody gives me anything. I, I got to work for it. And it's that attitude, it's that mindset that has crept into our churches and has found a home. And instead of running away from the church, it has set up shop. You know, when the usher comes and asks us to slide over some. And anyway, let's finish Uzziah. See... Pride is a most wicked thing. It is, listen to the definition. I like this word in cities. This word in cities is going to go around and around in my head all day. It says it's a proceeding. It's an act of proceeding in a gradual, subtle way, but with very harmful effects. So if I'm operating in the mindset that nobody could do nothing for me, how on earth can someone, anyone be a blessing to me? Or rather, how can I be a blessing to someone else? Uzziah, when he became strong, his heart became so proud, the scripture says that he acted corruptly. And what he did was he thought that because he was king, 
He was Mr. Big Stuff. He had an army that would compare to any army. He had the support, good support, Zachariah the prophet behind him. Uh, he, had, he had a structure around him. God was blessing him. He could go out and fight and beat anyone. Beat up on people so much that he beat them up and then make them pay taxes to him. This brother had it going on. What about you? What about me? As a matter of fact, as we try to bring this to a close, um, look at a couple of uh, portions of scripture with me, uh, for example. Before you turn there, though, I got a question for you. The saddest part of Uzziah's story, for me, isn't necessarily verse 16. Because we all have been there. We all... We all got a little swag somewhere running around in our DNA. Would you agree? All right. Um, uh, uh, I learned a new word this weekend called a shimmy. If you've been watching any of the NBA, as these guys got their little shimmy. They make a shot and they do a little whoop whoop, right? All right. We, we all have a little swag in us, and, 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 and that's okay if it's kept in its place, right? But, 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 but the saddest part about Uzziah's situation to me is in verse 21. Verse 21 says, King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. The text doesn't tell us this, and I may be imposing on the text, so forgive me for a minute, but wouldn't it have changed had we seen where Uzziah had repented? Where Uzziah had confessed his sin? We don't see that in the text. All verse 21 tells us is that King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And I believe as long as God gives us breath, we have an opportunity to first John 1, 9, that bad boy, and make it right with the Lord. First John 1, 9 says, if and when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to do what? Is that it? And cleanse from our unrighteousness. Um, turn with me to a couple of passages. Uh, listen to this. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth, God says, I hate. Did you all hear that? Listen to Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, 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 I learned this one back early in the day. Uh, uh, NCA, brother by the name of David Racky, terrorized me with this passage. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19, 16 to 19. Listen to what it says. There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to the Lord. And he lists them. First out of the gate is haughty eyes. That's pride. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife amongst the brothers. Six, scripture says, six things which the Lord hates, seven which are an abomination. And the first on the list is the issue of pride, or should I say, the sin of pride. Listen to what James 4, 6 says, God, but God gives a greater grace. 
Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Y'all okay with that one? Proverbs 16, 5 says, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Proverbs 21, 24 says, proud, haughty, scoffer are his names who acts with insolent pride. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 be of the same mind to mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind or prideful in mind, but associate with who? The lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Proverbs 12 is just rich. The next verse says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Uh, respect what is right in the sight of all men. Let's quickly look at some of the consequences uh, uh, for, for uh, or the results of, of pride. Uh, and, and, and I will try my hardest in my excitement to try and slow down some. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 25 says, The Lord will tear down the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Next chapter over, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Again, y'all know this one. We all know this one. Pride goes before what? Destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. My translation says before stumbling. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18, if you would. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. See, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus is talking about prayer. Verse 1 says, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. Okay? And in verses 2 to 8, he tells about a judge um, and this widow and this widow Keep going, keep going back to the judge until the judge gave her a fair ruling. Verse 9, though, says, And he told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Jesus goes on and tells the parable. He says, Two men went up into the temple to do what? To pray. One a Pharisee. And the other, a tax collector. You got the picture in your, in your mind's eye? The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. I, I like the drama of scripture. Here's how the Pharisee prayed. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Swindlers. Now imagine this Pharisee praying and as he's praying, he's probably looking at the tax collector, right? <laughs> he says, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You got the picture? <laughs> I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all that I get. Y'all okay? 
Verse 13 starts out with but. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his chest, his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. This man being the tax collector, going home to his house justified other than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself, Jesus says, will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is God's word, y'all. And I don't know where you stand. I only can tell you about where I am. And and it is easy to fall into this awful sin of arrogance and pride. Uh, Late last year, (laughs) late last year, uh, uh, I, I show up to the American Airlines counter. And much to my surprise... They said to me, Mr. Rutherford, um, I see that we uh, are required to give you an upgrade. I didn't know what she was saying. I thought it was a bad thing. I said, well, what does that mean? How much more do I have to pay? She said, no, Mr. Rutherford, we've just upgraded you to first class. (laughs) Really? So I get, I get in first class, right? And I'm a complete idiot. I don't even know how to behave in first class. So I'm sitting there and I'm trying to figure out, should I cross my leg? Should I read the magazine? What do I do? And of course, as everybody's coming in, you know, the zone ones, zone twos, and threes, they're kind of looking at you with contempt, right? And, and I'm like, morning, morning, hey, morning. There are times when God graciously exalts us if we, stay, if we stay humble. And it's a sweet thing when God does it. As opposed to us doing it ourselves. And think about how this thing could prevent the work of God even in the body of Christ. When our pride gets in the way. Who do you think he is asking me to do such and such? And who, who they think, they don't know how long I've been in this church. And, and, and you know my status in the, in the, we know, we all been there. And on behalf of everybody who's been there, I know, I'm, I'm not going to get anyone to raise their hands or confess. That's between you and God. But let me tell you something. While that sin is allowed to flourish, this church will not grow. And God won't get the glory. Listen to what the rest of scripture says. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Did y'all hear that? A man's pride, Proverbs chapter 9 verse 23, will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2 says. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, he's speaking to the church of Philippi. He says, verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, 
Regard one another as more important than yourself. So me and Brother Terrence get into the church parking lot at the same time I'm picking up Brother T. And the church parking lot is full. The fight shouldn't be as to who should get the parking spot. The fight between me and Brother T should be, no, Brother T, you go first. No, Brother Patrick, you go first. No, Brother T, you go first. No, Brother Patrick, you go first. We, we, we should be thinking more highly of each other than, wait, you know what? I get here first. My car was the first fan in the, in the parking lot. I get it. We should be thinking more highly of others than we think of ourselves. One last passage as I close. Matthew chapter 10 verse 23. Sorry, Matthew chapter 23 verse 10. It says, do not be called leaders for one, capital O is your leader, that is Christ. Verse 11 says, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Verse 12, whoever, whoever, whoever shall, whoever exalts himself, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Last summer I was humbled. On many occasions, but in particular the one with the cordless mic. And I'm thankful for it, ladies and gentlemen. Because sometimes, yes, even me, I can get ahead of myself. I can let my pride get in the way. And God has to say, okay, big boy, let's talk. I'm thankful for his discipline. And I'm thankful for when God uses others to discipline me. My wife, several years ago when we first started out in ministry, the first opportunity I got to speak uh, from the pulpit. And in my excitement, I hurriedly came down and we got in the car and I said to, I asked my wife the question, I said, so baby, how did I do? I won't tell you what she said to me, but God used that woman to remind me of who I am and where I should remain God uses us, and he wants to use us to get glory for himself, as Pastor Arnett so frequently prays. And if we would submit, if we would yield to that, oh, what an incredible place. Oh, what an incredible body of believers we would be for God's honor and for his glory. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the instruction that it still brings us today. Father, as we look at King Uzziah, and seemingly, Lord, you exalted him and exalted him, 
But your word says that he acted foolishly when he got strong and he thought more highly of himself than he ought to have thought. Oh God, we all get there. But I pray, dear God, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would remind us through your word, you would remind us through others how we truly ought to be. Thank you for your word. Now, once again, as we prayed earlier, we ask, O oh God, that you would take your word and sink it deep, O oh God, into the good soil of our hearts. Cause it to grow and bear fruit. Much fruit, O oh God, for your honor and your glory. Do it in such a way, O oh God, that you would be pleased with it. Be pleased with our offering. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen.